You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of TheBarkBoard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. At Rivers, the tailback. Shotgun snap. McMarion pitches to Rivers. The option. Got it! Touchdown! Ronnie Rivers! Well, just like Pat Hill and Cameron Worrell are cheering on the broadcast, the Bulldogs go bananas in Boise. Ronnie Rivers on an option pitch into the end zone to win it for Fresno State in overtime. Yeah, baby. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Reek, being joined by Jackson Moore, who's just returned back from the, the snow in Boise. So, Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Lucio. A lot warmer. <laughs> how about yourself? <laughs> oh, good, good. It, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't end up going to that because it, it was like rain, then snow. So mm. you might have had a little sleet in between there on all that. How was that weather there for you in Boise, Jackson? <laughs> the rain was the worst, especially I've got my I've invested a, a few pretty pennies into my camera equipment and I've got a dollar store trash bag wrapped around it to keep it safe and the rain was just pouring, pouring, pouring. It was bad. And uh you could look up and start to see a piece of snow every once in a while mixed in with that rain, but about the second quarter it just got it was too much i went back up to the press box <laughs> and uh, it's slowly turned into snow and started falling uh, a lot softer <laughs> so uh, at that point it was a lot easier to get back down there on the field and, and take some cool pictures in the snow and uh yeah the snow wasn't too bad it wasn't too too cold but the rain was pretty miserable that was the worst part right there in around the second quarter well i felt for you because i was looking up at the screen and then i i was looking at it and i'm like is that rain or is that snow? And then I realized it was rain and it was cold there. So any little bit of moisture on, on your clothes and you were going to be freezing at uh-huh. some point. And, uh, and then when it started to snow, I was like, oh, that's even worse. Because if you're already wet and then you get snow, uh, <laughs> you're really going to get really cold at that point. But it was it was probably a sight to see, especially for some of those players who probably have never seen snow before. Let's face it, not everybody has been in snow before. And what are some of the reactions that you saw? Were some of those players just in awe of snow coming down? <laughs> what surprised me was that we had this press conference Friday, the day before the game, and Tyler Horton of Boise State was on the podium, and they asked him, what do you think is going to happen if it snows? And him from being a Boise State Bronco said, I've never played in the snow before. And he's from Fresno, of course, himself. But I figured within four years as at Boise, <laughs> he would have seen some snow or played in it before, but I guess not. And they've got a nice fancy indoor uh, practice facility. So even for a lot of the Broncos, it sounds like it was a first. And um, during the game when it happened, it was just so vicious that I think they were just trying to weather it themselves. Uh, you could see the play calling got a little conservative, particularly on Boise's side when it really started coming down, which surprised me a little bit. It was more so them, I think, than Fresno State. But after the game, uh, once that final score went down, I saw some players making snow angels and stuff. <laughs> so I think they were able to contain themselves until the end, and there were a few like mega heaters on the sideline where <laughs> players were trying to keep warm. Oh, it was uh, it was it was interesting because I was uh, did some interviews this week and uh, I, you know I was talking about the snow a little bit and they're like you know what I've never seen snow before that was a first for me and I was like what what you know it to me it's um, I still get caught off guard when people haven't seen snow before because I feel like everyone should have seen snow by now uh, but let's face it not everyone grows up in an area that there's snow readily available for them <laughs> and so some of those players got to uh, got to experience that for the first time so it was a, it was a good experience for them and then to top it all off um, <laughs> you you know you come home with a championship uh, something that no Fresno State has been able to do is win on that blue turf and you know, you could see the tide kind of start turning a little bit because, you know, Boise normally wears the blue at home on the blue turf and they blend right in. But then at some point, 
there's, there was so much snow on the field that Fresno State started to blend in and Boise started to stick out. So it was kind of a taste of their own medicine, don't you think, Jackson? Yeah. It, I mean, right, even in the second quarter or so, you could see that field slowly turning from blue to white. And then by about halftime, they were having to shovel out the lines just so you could see the hash marks and the yardage marks and the goal line and all that. And yeah, the, the I think the blue on blue didn't quite have the same effect at that point. But uh, you know, it's kind of stopped around the fourth quarter, and by overtime, it was almost back to normal. So the Bulldogs did earn it uh, when it mattered at the end. Yeah, that was uh, it. Was kind of a, a little bit of a, a sweet revenge for the Bulldogs. You know, uh, you know, blue all of a sudden doesn't work in their favor anymore, uh, and so Boise uh, Boise uh, struggled. Well, let's let's not just say they struggled. It was it was a tough contest. Uh, something that Fresno State and Boise has been, you know, doing for the last four games. It's been a close game, no matter who is you know comes out on top. It it hasn't really been a very big point spread. Fresno State was able to wrap this one up in in overtime. And Jackson, you got to experience this live over there. Mm-hmm. What was your reactions when you saw that uh, Ronnie? Uh, you know, Ronnie. Rivers had that ball and looked like he was going to get tackled in the backfield and then somehow slips a tackle and gets into the end zone. What was your reaction when you saw that? Yeah, uh, I was in a pretty good spot. I was in the back of the end zone towards that corner where he ran. So I was, I mean, I, I had my camera lens all zoomed in on Ronnie and I see he was kind of lined up right with me and I couldn't quite tell what was going on around him at the time. And then the next thing I know, I'm taking pictures of him in the end zone. <laughs> I'm, I'm still trying to, to wrap my mind around the fact that Fresno State beat Boise State on the blue turf. Uh, and it was just a, a really special moment. And then when I went back and watched what, everything else that happened outside of my camera lens, I mean, that high step he pulled off was magic. It was hard for, to imagine that he knew that guy was behind him <laughs> for him to make that little hurdle, and he sure did. Uh, just pure instincts right there, and then a, a clear path into the end zone with the speed after that. So, um, I mean, that was a spectacular play. Uh, it was interesting because right before that play, they actually ran one very similar to it, <laughs> where a receiver made an end around to the same side of the field, and there was a timeout called, so that play got negated, and then you felt like, oh, man, that, that was probably the play that they thought was going to work right there, and it, it just got exposed, so they can't use that one. And I kind of thought we might see Marcus McMarion with that quarterback sneak he ran against UCLA a whole bunch of times earlier this year, but they pulled out the option first time <laughs> of the whole game, and uh, there was a little deceptiveness with Marcus pretending like he was doing a read option that brought in the defenders into the middle, and all Ronnie had to do was beat one guy, and he did it. Now, uh, the only thing that kept going through my mind right before that play was don't hand it to Hokit and make him pass the ball. <laughs> it, 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 it felt like it was going to be the same type of play that was going to happen uh, uh, against Minnesota. But once I saw that it was Ronnie in the backfield, I was like, okay, so there's not going to be a pass going on here. So we're good there. But, you know, it, it felt like uh, if, if they were going to win, they needed to keep that ball on the ground uh, and, and hopes that, you know, they wouldn't fumble the ball at any point because – the, la- the worst thing that could happen there was a turnover, and you put that ball in the air in the snow. It, it's it, you know a combination for for something bad to happen. Uh, but Fresno State was able to punch it in. Now before they got to that play, the big let's talk about the other big play that had to happen in order for the Fresno State to get that opportunity was the block field goal. Uh, had Boise made that field goal, they would have been up by one point, but. It got blocked, kept the score tied, uh, which then ultimately led to the overtime that led uh, helped the Bulldogs win this one. You saw what was happening there. What what was going on? Because it seemed like they kept getting on the backfield every time when Boise was trying to kick. Yeah. Um, so, the, I mean, that play was huge, of course. I'm not sure if Boise State makes that extra point that the Bulldogs win. <laughs> I think no. they would have lost 14 to 13. And it was I had the tweet ready to go. Uh, this I mean, all three times I've been in there in Boise and the Bulldogs have led basically from the second quarter to the fourth quarter. And then the Broncos made that big play in the fourth quarter to take the lead each game and the Bulldogs could never recover. And it looked like that was going to happen again. All they had to do was make that extra point and they'd be up and it would be tough for the Bulldogs to answer. Uh, but Matt Boateng, he, they, the Broncos had three field goal extra point attempts throughout the game. And the first time they realized what was going on, 
The second time he kind of jumped it, almost had it, and then the third time he really executed it perfectly. And they disrupted the field goal attempt earlier in the game too, which was big. But um, Boateng was just able to get around the edge. They had the wing blocker that just didn't quite account for Boateng. He kind of stepped forward and was just sealing off the guy before Boateng, I guess, and let him go basically unopposed to the backfield. And he had enough speed and and lift to get there. Um, Boateng was saying that Boise State's reasoning was that their kicker has such a quick release, he basically takes a step and knocks it in (laughs) between the uprights so they don't necessarily feel like they have to account for a guy there, but he was fast enough to make up for that. Yeah, it seemed like, you know, they just let him go completely... You know, loose, yeah. and that's that to me left my head scratching because they did it on just about every single one of their kicks, and Bulldogs were able to pick up on that and, and make a, the adjustment. Uh, now, Boateng did end up hitting the kicker, uh, but it it resulted in a uh, not in a long enough penalty, right? On mm-hmm. that, and so um, it, it it worked in Fresno State's favor on that one, but. You know, had that not had happened, I agree with you, Jackson. It probably would have been very tough for the Bulldogs to come back and score at least a field goal to try and take the lead again, even though uh, Asa Fuller looked like he was money during that game. Uh, He he looked like he was at another level for some reason and was kicking that ball through. You know, what do you you think contributed to that? All of a sudden, the the special teams started to, to pick up for Fresno State. Yeah, I mean, Fuller made two big field goals, and Boise State missed one, and they missed the, had the extra point blocked. So, I mean, that's really a 10-point swing on special teams right there in a game that was decided by only three points. So, that, I mean, all those plays were huge. And, and just in getting the Bulldogs into overtime, uh, I mean, Fuller, he knocked them through. Uh, they weren't short kicks. They weren't 50-plus yards either, but they were difficult ones in the snow, and he, he came through. I, I don't really know what to attribute it to. Um they weren't quite fourth quarter under pressure kicks, but every kick in that kind of a game has got some pressure on it. If you miss those in a conference championship game, I mean, we saw the Bulldogs missed one last time they were there for a conference championship, and they lost by three, I believe. So, uh, I mean, they can be crucial points, and he came through. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just his night, I guess. <laughs> now, uh, what led to some history here also for for Fresno State was Marcus McMarion. Uh, you know, he's he's in his own category now. The only quarterback to beat Boise State uh, twice in his career uh, and once on the blue turf. Uh, no, no other quarterback in Fresno State. Well, I guess I can say it in Fresno State history has able uh, been able to accomplish that feat. Um, is this signs of more to come now? Fresno State being able to kind of break through that mystique of Boise. Yeah, it feels like it, and especially because Boise State's not going to have, unless there's another Mountain West Championship between these two <laughs> teams, they're not going to play for the next two years. So this is the last taste we're going to get of this uh, rivalry series for quite some time. Um, with the divisions in the Mountain West, uh, you see three teams for two years and the other three teams for the next two years. So. Uh, the four games in 13 months might, might have given all the action that this uh, series will see for quite some time. But McMarion to get that done is pretty impressive. Um, even though it was four attempts in 13 months, most Bulldog quarterbacks saw the Broncos three or four <laughs> times, depending on how long they started. So, uh, I mean, big deal for Marcus, big deal for the whole team to get it done on the blue turf when no one else had. Um yeah, it does feel like a shift. It, you could already point to the last few games and say, "Hey, the Bulldogs didn't get blown out. You know, they're one play away from winning." But to actually do it to take home the trophy, uh, that's a whole different story on that one. And it's, so far this season, Boise has lost twice on their own blue turf. Now, uh, once to San Diego, and the other one now to the Bulldogs. That's uh, that could be an indication of things to come. Now, as uh, people are starting to kind of figure out. How to play in Boise um, and some of that so-called mystique of the blue turf uh, probably is going to start to wear off, especially when now Bulldogs have players on the team that now remember winning on the blue turf. So if it ever comes to it again within the next couple of years that they have to play another championship there. It shouldn't be that much of a big deal anymore, (laughs) Uh, hopefully. (laughs) Uh, And. 
I don't know, Jackson, do you see this uh, Boise State coaching staff kind of sticking around or kind of a little bit of turmoil going on there? Uh, well, it sounds like one of their assistants may have been poached by USC today. I think that's uh, pretty close to being official, but um, it all comes down to Coach Harson in my mind, uh, the head coach, Brian Harson. If he has a Power 5 opening that he wants to go for, then that can <laughs> disrupt that staff pretty quickly. Um Sounds like uh, he's been kind of in the mix for a few jobs already. Hasn't landed one yet, so we'll see. Maybe, uh, probably not this year, but maybe in the next couple of years before the Bulldogs and Broncos are actually scheduled to play again. I wouldn't be surprised if they had a new staff. But, I mean, on paper, it seems like Harson as a Boise State quarterback and all the success he's had there would be an easy fit to be there for a long time. But uh, I'm not so sure that's going to happen. Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of uh, starting to wonder... Um, if um, Fresno State uh, coaching staff is also going to start having some uh, <laughs> some of their coaches starting to get poached as well, so uh, you know we'll, we'll kind of kind of have to keep an eye on that because uh, they've been showing a lot of success here in the last uh, last couple of seasons, and uh, it could end up seeing some of the their names start to fly around. Uh, I think you you probably are feeling the same thing, right, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, once you you have two years like Fresno State's had, it's hard to keep the staff together. Um, they only lost the one coach last year, Orlando Steinauer, who we now know was basically coaching waiting in the Canadian Football League. He just landed a head coaching job. Um, you know, it's tough uh, to keep a staff together. We saw in the Pat Hill years, it seemed like he had a different offensive coordinator almost every year for quite some time. Uh, the Deruder staff was able to keep everyone basically intact past the first two years they had the success. It was not till they had to actually fire people that <laughs> the staff got broken up. Um, so we'll see. I know it's basically priority number one right now within the athletic department is to uh, keep the assistants happy and make sure if whatever money might be around that they can afford to give up, they can give them a little bump. But um uh, some of these names I imagine are going to start getting tossed around and uh, looked at for different jobs. And it just comes down to what can Fresno state do to keep them? And do they get an offer that they just can't refuse? Because if you're an assistant, sometimes those opportunities come around and no matter how much you enjoy it somewhere, you've got to take that leap for the next step. Now I know some of the fans are concerned that Tedford's going to be uh, probably be offered another big time job, but um, according to us, we don't think he's probably going to be going anywhere anytime soon because uh, all indications are, are pointing to to him wanting to retire here, right, Jackson? Yeah, um, I, I don't really see him going anywhere. Uh, it seems like he came here for a reason. He waited for this job. He wanted to make this his last stop. Um, I mean, as an alumni, a former player, a former assistant coach, he's got a lot invested in this program, and it seems like they're just barely scratching the surface of what they might be able to do, which would be crazy if they go 12-2 and with the bowl win uh, this weekend. Um, they really have high expectations for where they can take this thing. And, yeah, I don't see Tedford himself going anywhere. It's more about keeping this staff intact. And a lot of these staff members, I mean, there's about half that are actually Fresno State Bulldogs themselves that I imagine will stay for quite some time. But the other guys really no connections to either Fresno State or Tedford. He kind of pulled him out of the hat there with Orlando Steinauer in the Canadian Football League and Kalen DeBoer, who's been coaching in the Midwest all these years. So um, I imagine uh, that Coach Tedford has a long list of names that he'll be ready to go to if that happens. But it seems like Tedford is going to be here for the long haul. The assistance you can only expect so much out of and. uh it is interesting that his old quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, is looking for a head coach with the Green Bay Packers, but uh, Tedford doesn't have a whole lot of uh, NFL experience, and I'm not saying he couldn't have it, but I just don't know if that's where his heart is to be in the NFL. Yeah, that would be a big leap, uh, I think, for uh, for Tedford to kind of go from uh – college football all the way to the NFL. Let's face it, not all college coaches are cut out for the NFL. And, uh, you know, it's a big gamble sometimes for them to make that leap. It doesn't always work out. Uh, I mean, um, last one I think of is Spurrier. Remember, remember that uh, debacle that happened when Spurrier went the went to the NFL. So uh, things, uh, things don't always pan out. And I don't think that that's the kind of stress that Tedford wants to put on himself right now uh, at this stage in his career. Uh, but 
you know, Fresno State comes out victorious. So that means uh, they had an opportunity to get a, a, a New Year's Six Bowl, but uh, UCF managed to pull that one off <laughs> barely yeah. uh, for Fresno State uh, to, to thwart Fresno State's uh, opportunity to get into that. It, you know, you were you were at Boise getting ready for that game, and in the back of your mind, you probably were checking that score all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, did you think that Bulldogs had a had a chance uh, when it got into the fourth quarter with UCF? Well, I was watching that UCF Memphis game about the whole first half before I left to the stadium, and it looked like Memphis was rolling. I mean, if you score three, uh, they had like a sixty, a seventy, and an eighty-yard touchdown run. You usually win if you do that, and I was feeling pretty good about Memphis's odds at that point. And by the time I got to the stadium, it was already a seven-point game, and. Next thing I know, UCF scores again to tie it, to take the lead, eight-point lead, I believe, after that. So, yeah, it felt like earlier in the day it was going to happen, and then you knew UCF, once they started getting rolling, that uh, it was probably going to be the Vegas Bowl for the winner of the Mountain West Championship. Yeah, and once that ended up happening, that you saw that UCF was going to win that one, um, the only other option for Fresno to even get a bowl that is even worth it so that they're not heading to back to Boise or, or New Mexico or some, you know, <laughs> obscure bowl. <laughs> um, they had to win this one against Boise, get, get that championship so that they could at least make it a, a trip to, to Las Vegas where it's a lot more attractive. Uh, let's just put it that way. Now the downside is it is basically the first bowl game of all bowl games, right? Is that is the Las Vegas Bowl, right? I, as far as I can take it. Yeah, there's a few games on Saturday, but it's that's the first day of bowl games, and that puts Fresno State in a tough spot because, I mean, you're supposed to get three visits at the in December, three weekends for recruiting visits, and the first weekend was knocked out by the conference championship. The third weekend's going to be knocked out by the bowl game. You know, usually, you get 15 practices. Uh, Fresno State's only going to get seven because of the schedule. And they had to take some time off to go recruit and go do in-home visits this past week. So that knocked out some practices, too. Um, So not ideal as far as the team structure goes, but as far as the fans and the matchup and all that, uh, basically a best-case scenario where you can drive to the game. The Bulldogs are playing a Pac-12 opponent. Uh, This is the only bowl that the Mountain West has that you can do that. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, I'm starting to hear rumblings of some of the tie-ins that uh, Mountain West is going to be having with bowls or or might be disappearing. Um, I think the one is New Mexico. Is it New Mexico or is it the Las Vegas one? It is the Vegas Bowl because once that new stadium gets built for the Raiders, that's going to become a much more attractive game. And the bowl organization there feels like they can get another Power 5 program to play against the Pac-12. And I mean, realistically, that could become one of the bigger bowl games outside of the uh, New Year's Six games because you're going to have this huge state-of-the-art stadium. It's going to be in Las Vegas, and if they get a Big 12 or an SEC team that's you know one of the better teams in that conference, they may travel in droves to see a, a Pac-12 matchup. So, I mean, it's hard to fault <laughs> the Las Vegas Bowl for making that push, but I mean, it could become a pretty big bowl game there. Uh, the Mountain West is going to get it for one more year, so this is probably going to be Fresno State. I mean last shot or second to last shot probably to get in this bowl game so hope the Bulldogs enjoy it um, I know if it doesn't feel quite as new since Fresno State was there in 2013 but uh, this is going to be a big one for Fresno State in the Mountain West before it goes away it sounds like the Mountain West is in the process of getting a new bowl game probably in Arizona uh, or San Diego one of the two where they will play a Pac-12 school um, and it'll probably be something similar to what they play in Vegas now because I imagine once the tie-ins change in Vegas, they're going to send a better Pac-12 school to that bowl game than uh, it's like fifth or sixth place right now. It's usually they're sending an Arizona State 7-5. and five. So um, I don't think it'll be too big of a drop-off as far as the matchup, but the location will not quite be as fun probably <laughs> well hopefully, depending on what you like. Hopefully it ends up being in San Diego where it's uh, – it's still uh, it, it, it's still worth the 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 trip uh, up to San Diego for us local fans here because you know there's plenty to do 
Arizona, I'm not too sure what there is to do in Arizona. Um, but uh, it, it is what it is. It, the Mountain West has to be scrambling right now to try and figure out uh, not only just one bowl solution, to like you were mentioning, but maybe possibly two bowl solutions. Because uh, you always have to have a, some sort of a backup plan. All the more for Fresno to try and get their own bowl here. <laughs> who would who would be a sponsor in this area? I don't know. There's California raisins are not as big as they were back in the past, mm-hmm. um, but maybe something like a I don't know Lando Lakes. Is there a bowl for Lando Lakes right now? <laughs> uh, something like that that's big here in the valley that maybe could sponsor a bowl game. I don't know. What do you think, Jackson? Am I, am I wishful thinking there? I didn't even realize myself that the Vegas Bowl is basically the California Bowl. Once that bowl game moved from Fresno, the organization took it to Vegas. And so, I mean, it's not in the record books it's the same bowl or anything, but it's technically the same lineage, uh, which I, I found pretty interesting because uh, that predates me a little bit <laughs> going back to the 80s. <laughs> but um with the, I mean, yeah, the Mountain West is going to have to find something because even this year, uh, they had six tie-ins and seven bowl-eligible teams. So Wyoming at six and six is being left at home. Uh, they probably didn't deserve to bowl a bowl game. It wasn't a very good Wyoming team, but they sure tried hard. They had to win, I think, four games in a row to get bowl eligible, and so it's kind of a bummer that they're not going to get rewarded. But um, they only had the six games. They had to trade one to get Boise State into a better bowl. They are in the. Uh, Oh, what's it called? <laughs> they're in Dallas. Uh, oh. First Responders Bowl, I believe. Yes. Uh, it's in the Cotton Bowl Stadium. It is not the Cotton Bowl, but they are getting Boston College. And that's, I mean, if you're Boise State, 10 wins, top 25, it's, they're going to have to go all the way to Dallas and play a what mediocre Power 5 school. So um, they are going to get a decent payout from it, though. So. Uh, yeah, and unless the Mountain West refills this bowl game and possibly gets another decent one, they're going to be scrambling every year to both find spots for all their teams and to get decent bowl games for their number two and number three teams. Yeah, because let's face it, if there's not enough bowls for the Mountain West, um, things are going to start to get very difficult for the Mountain West Conference. Um, you know, because what else would they be playing for? I mean, they don't really get a chance at the national title uh, during the season because the the way the system is set up. Um, and so if if getting into a New Year's Six Bowl, you have to go un, basically undefeated and be the highest ranked team. What what kind of incentive is that as well? I mean, the the conference needs to put some other types of bowl games together uh, in order to to reward the players for for the type of season that they're having throughout the year. And right now, it looks like things are starting to change a little bit as far as what tie-ins we're going to have. Um, Jackson, I'll throw this one at you. The, remember those rumblings of the Australian Bowl? <laughs> Whatever happened to that? I never heard anything else about the Australian Bowl. I know. I believe Hawaii and California played there for an August game. <laughs> uh, and it didn't go too well, probably. I guess not. I think Stanford and Rice either played there or they were scheduled to. I don't remember if that happened. But, um, yeah, the logistics behind that thing, I think, <laughs> proved to be <laughs> – a little too much stress. <laughs> <laughs> so that test run didn't work. So uh, let's just put it that way. Uh, but that being said, the opponent for Fresno State heading into this bowl game is going to be Arizona State. And, you know, news coming out of their camp is that their top receiver uh, will not be playing in that game because he did sign a contract with a um, – Gosh, what are they called again? Uh, a re- an agent. An agent, yeah. yes. Uh, he signed a contract with an agent in order to get him set up for the NFL uh, draft. Um, good thing for the Bulldogs, Jackson? Yeah, I would sure say so. Um, <laughs> Fresno State's defense has been solid all year long, and you take out your first-team Pac-12 receiver with Nikhil Harry. Uh, that's going to hurt Arizona State, I would sure imagine. Uh, I mean, it would be just like if you took Keyshawn Johnson off the field, who scared some people with the tweet <laughs> earlier last week. Uh, it looks like Johnson's going to play. Um, but again, as an example, if you took Johnson off the field and – there's just a big drop off from number one to the rest of your guys, even if the rest are pretty solid. Um, so I, with Arizona state, uh, there's, is a big drop off statistically when you go from Harry to the rest of the group. 
So I don't think uh, they're going to be quite as strong offensively. They've got a quarterback that's kind of similar to Marcus McMarion, who is not going to be slinging it across the field like Derek Carr, but is very efficient and is very secure, doesn't throw a lot of picks and all that. So I imagine the offense is going to be run fairly similarly, but you're not going to have that go-to receiver that's just constantly getting open. And um, they do have uh, also a first-team Pac-12 running back, so that's going to be something for Fresno State's defense to probably key in first and foremost. Um, they haven't quite played a, a power five offensive line and running attack basically since Minnesota. That was very good. Um, so that'll be a challenge for sure. And I think that'll basically shift Arizona state's focus to the run game rather than throwing the ball on this defense. And Fresno state has been pretty good against the run this season. The only team that's basically been able to find those big holes um, was Boise, um, mm. who's been able to kind of run uh, at will against the Bulldogs. But for the most part, all season long, the Bulldogs have been pretty solid on defense against the run, um, you know, with that bend but don't break type of defense. But, you know, the, the level of competition wasn't where uh, Arizona State was. Now, Jackson, uh, one thing that kind of leaves me scratching my head about that wide receiver is why not wait until after the bowl game to sign with an agent? Yeah, the big discussion right now is just, you know, if you're in those his shoes and you get hurt in the bowl game and that you lose millions of dollars potentially, uh, I can see why that would be the case. And especially for Arizona State, they, I don't think they're necessarily all that excited to, for this bowl game to have to play a Mountain West school when most of the Pac-12 teams are going to play against other Power 5 schools and um, have a little more motivation behind it. Uh, for Fresno State, on the other hand, this is a pretty big deal, and I imagine that anyone that would have a shot at the pros is still going to play in this one and cap off a pretty special season. But say if Fresno State would have gone to the Arizona Bowl and played Arkansas State, can you blame Keyshawn Johnson or Jeff Allison, who have millions of dollars on the line, potentially sitting that one out? I mean, those two guys, we know them, being here in Fresno, that they've got a little more uh, to them than that and I think they would have played anyway but um, that's basically the conversation that's being had here and by a lot of teams across the country unfortunately it looks like the Bulldogs are just going to be able to avoid that this year and we haven't seen it yet in recent history for Fresno State but I imagine we may see that come up in the next few years yeah things are uh, you know uh, especially if the Fresno State starts picking up some of those uh, big type of uh, recruits that are coming in, like Jalen Cropper, and they start putting together some some really good seasons, uh, and uh, the players just blow up uh, on the recruiting scene, then we might start to see a little bit of that start to happen here. But, you know, uh, one could hope that... Uh, uh, the players that they bring in here are, uh, you know, of a different type of mindset than some of those other schools. <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. You know, you got to protect your your money maker, and that's your body uh, uh, when moving on to the next level. Even uh, West Virginia's quarterback, Will Greer, fourth in the Heisman race, he's going to skip his bowl game this year. So, <laughs> wow, I mean, that, that's a tough hit if you're West Virginia, and uh, it's not quite what Arizona State's going to face, but. I mean, those are the, the possibilities we're going to be facing in the bowl landscape for the next few years. Man, can you imagine being one of his teammates uh, <laughs> uh, and, and and finding out he's he's not going to play and you're sitting there going like, what? Yeah. <laughs> now what? <laughs> it's just, it's not right. Uh, but, it, you know, understandable at the same time. Uh, but Jackson, what can we look forward to coming up into this uh, championship, this bowl game coming up? Uh, what's what's the the things we kind of have to keep an eye on for uh, in this game? Yeah, so Arizona State's kind of interesting because you look at their stats and it's hard to point at any one thing. Um, offensively and defensively, when you look at scoring and total yardage, they're about in the 50s nationally. Um, we look at passing and rushing uh, both sides. They're basically in the same spot. They're just basically pretty balanced both sides of the ball when it comes to both passing and running. Um, so it is hard to kind of say, Oh, here's their strength and here's their weakness. But it's interesting. Fresno state and Arizona state haven't played since 1941. Uh, the coaching staff has only been at Fresno state for two years, even if there was some sort of history between these two programs. 
But Arizona State hired Herm Edwards as their head coach, and he's a San Diego State guy, and he brought in a bunch of Aztec defensive coaches, or at least a defensive coordinator, uh, Danny Gonzalez. And they're going to be running that three-three-five defense that Fresno State has seen now twice in two years with San Diego State. So they know really what to expect. They know how the Aztecs are going to attack. And this is the same guy that Fresno State played last year and scored 27 points on in that 27-3 win against the Aztecs last year. So I think on that sense, Fresno State's going to be pretty familiar with what the uh, Sun Devils are going to be trying to do defensively. Uh, I think it's really going to come down to most is this defensive line that's been solid all year going to be able to do the same thing against the Pac-12 offensive line and running back? Yeah, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch just to see how the the players match up. Um, any any uh, big key injuries going into this one that uh, could kind of swing the the tide in either direction? Uh, just on Fresno State side, they came out of the championship pretty clean. The one player I do know that's probably not going to play is Jasad Haynes. Uh, I mean, I don't have anything official there, but when he came out on crutches and the, on the blue turf in the second <laughs> half. Uh, That's an indication. Uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes the guys are on crutches and it's not that serious, but uh, it would be a stretch for him to be ready in two weeks, I would think. And he was already playing, I mean, well under 100% in that game coming off a different injury or the same one that was re-aggravated. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, otherwise, Bulldogs should be in pretty good shape. Um, just the same injuries that they've had all year. Guys like Emeka Endo and Natani Muti, who were sidelined earlier in the year. Uh, other than that, they should be in good shape. I don't quite know all the details on Arizona State side, but they've had another week. They didn't play in a conference championship game, so they've had time to rest, and anyone that had some bumps and bruises will probably be ready for this one. Well, and that sometimes is a double-edged sword. Sometimes it's uh, good to have that extra week, and sometimes it isn't, <laughs> uh, because uh, then you're a little too relaxed. <laughs> it just it, it, there's a fine line on those right now. The Bulldogs did have a week off after the the, the championship, um, so you know, verse two weeks versus three weeks maybe might be advantage Bulldogs because that means they're still more game ready than than Arizona State is at the moment. But you know we'll you know we'll have to see what happens there. But Jackson, the Fresno State has a lot of seniors graduating, and so this is going to be their last game. Little extra juice for the Bulldogs uh, heading into this game. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit of a challenge for the coaching staff to get them mind right. Uh, so the Bulldogs had three days off after the conference championship game, and I went to practice on Wednesday, and uh, they were being disciplined. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, fair, understandably, the guys were excited about their bowl or their conference championship win, and I, they, I don't think they quite brought it at practice the same way they normally do. And the coaches had to set them straight and <laughs> let them know that there's a lot on the the line here in this Las Vegas bowl. That twelfth uh, win would be a school record. Uh, you always want to get take advantage of opportunities to be in a bowl game like that and beat a Pac-12 school. Um, the team did have Thursday off. They practiced Friday and Saturday, and then they're off to Vegas uh, right now. So it's kind of a short turnaround, even though they have the two weeks to prepare. Really, the majority of that first week was dedicated for the coaches to do recruiting. And, um, you know, last usually you have time to work out your young guys in this time period. The Bulldogs only got to do that one day. So, um, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge because they didn't have a normal structured week of practice last week. And then this week they're going to be practicing while doing all the other events in Vegas. But if anyone can handle those uh, scenarios, it seems like this coaching staff has been really good at keeping them straight, uh, looking straight ahead to the next game. So the next few days is going to be interesting, Jackson, because I just realized that the 15th is recruiting deadline, right? For the early signing. Uh, the nineteenth. The nineteenth. Yeah. Okay, so not a, not as not as crazy as I thought it was going to be because I I was thinking the fifteenth, uh, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's the day of the yeah. bowl game, so <laughs> there's going to be a lot of things happening up until uh, the game day, but there's there's like four days after the bowl game to kind of wrap things up, so not as not as desperate as I think it's going to be, <laughs> uh, but. Recruiting wise, Fresno State uh, able to land some big recruits uh, here in the last couple of days um, to get on the recruiting class. How are they looking like? Uh, how are they doing on the recruiting front now? Up uh, coming up on the the early signing period. 
Yeah, so right now, after the weekend, they brought in two commits. Uh, you may see some more trickle in this week, but uh, the two guys that pulled the trigger over the weekend and announced it were a pair of top 10 junior college tight ends, Juan Rodriguez from Butte College in Oroville, California, and then Raymond Powells from Glendale College in Arizona. Uh, two junior college guys that are ready to come in and play right away. Um, two of the guys that are more highly thought of across the country in terms of junior college tight ends. Um, you know, there's not a whole ton of them, <laughs> a ton of schools out there that are utilizing the tight end these days, and uh, more so than a blocker at least. So Fresno State was very attractive when you've got Jared Rice as the second leading receiver on the team, and you've got basically five receivers that are played, whether it's special teams or whatnot. If you're a tight end at Fresno State, you're going to get on the field. So uh, easy picks for those two guys. And uh, that brings the Bulldogs to 11 commits, and out of those 11 I think at least nine should be signing on December 19th. So um, I think they'll bring in a few more guys. Um, there's, I mean, they had about 15 official visitors last weekend since it was the only weekend they could bring them in. Uh, about half of those guys were already committed. And I think we'll see maybe two, three, four more of those guys commit to the Bulldogs that are just waiting to make their final decision and, and announce it before the 19th. And it's interesting, even though the schedule is a little more hectic for the coaching staff this year with the Vegas Bowl, uh, last year most of those guys were already in Hawaii for the Hawaii Bowl preparation. So uh, in that sense, they'll at least be in Fresno to see the faxes and <laughs> have everything ready for the commits and keep in contact with them. Yeah, that's uh, it's going to be an interesting Matt scramble. Uh uh, I know both you and I are going to be watching social media very intently because uh, we're usually pretty on top of who we know is going to come in. But there's always that one guy that surprises us, isn't there, Jackson? Uh, you think there there might be that one guy that is kind of you know, outlasted our radar here and we don't know who, who it is? Um, I mean, it could be. Uh, I think in this case it's hard to see anyone sign with Fresno state that didn't visit. And since they only had the one weekend visit and we're pretty confident on who was here, it should be someone in that pool of recruits. And maybe in February we get some surprises. Uh, you know, last year we were pretty certain there were almost full and they only signed one recruit in February, but you had a couple other guys that committed to Fresno state. And it was like, well, you know, what's going on here. And those were the guys that ended up blue shirting where, they didn't actually take visits to Fresno State, but they commit, and then they sign the paperwork on the first day of fall camp. And I mean, so a couple of those guys were three-star recruits, so it's nothing to overlook there, too. And uh, a lot of that has to do with some of these players who uh, like to roll the dice uh, and try and see if they're going to get a, uh, another offer somewhere else and then find themselves on the outside looking in with no offers when if they would have committed earlier, they would have got a full scholarship, but instead now have to blue shirt. Is that the case that you kind of felt that that happened to those players? Uh, well, for those guys, I think it's more in Fresno State's end just because they're so limited with the scholarships uh, because of the mess that they were in with Coach DeRuiter. They've had to utilize blue shirts year after year, and what that means basically is that those scholarships count towards the next year. So... The first year they had like five or six blue shirts and now you're stuck to 19 new recruits that you can bring in. But then you use more blue shirts to compensate for that and it just keeps snowballing year after year. Eventually that thing's going to get evened out. But um, normally what Fresno State has done is basically they go in on the recruit or if they have a commit that's, you know, they want them locked in. And if they don't lock in with the Bulldogs by December, they basically move on. They say, well, you know, if you're not committed to us, we're going to find someone else that is. This year, the recruiting schedule was changed a little bit, uh, where there wasn't as much activity in August and September, and then you've got this case where their opportunities in December have been limited, so I think they're going to be a little more lenient for some of these top recruits on their board, where if they don't get them within the next week, or maybe if they even want to wait till February, they may keep them on their board and not move on to the next guy so quickly, but... They do like to lock in recruits as early as possible, and I think you'll see 10-plus guys sign in December and then see what they can do with the rest of their scholarships after. Now, we know there was a lot of uh, problems with the, the recruiting aspect when the, the DeRuiter era was here. Uh, a lot of things and numbers got messed up. Are, are they starting to kind of correct 
uh, a lot of the those problems that happened, or is are you still thinking maybe another couple of years before that gets corrected? Yeah, as far as overall scholarships, they're pretty much there to eighty five. I believe they're if they're not there, they're very close. It's just a matter of how they got there because they had to really tweak the numbers to to bring in more guys than you normally would, and um, so it's still going to affect the way that they recruit year after year until they don't have to use some of those blue shirts anymore. This year with 28 seniors, uh, a lot of them were walk-ons, but that should open things up to where they can bring in more players this year than they have the past couple of years because the last few classes, I think last year's class was 17 recruits. You know, you have up to 25 you can sign. So um, they're going to have to keep tweaking the numbers, I think, a little bit until it evens out there. Yeah, and and hopefully that's going to be soon because, you know, we'd like to see a big class <laughs> eventually one of these times and not have them rely on those blue shirts so much um, because it eats up those numbers for the following for the, the upcoming year. Um, you'd like to, the Bulldogs to have a little bit more uh, of, a, of a cushion, so to speak, in order to, to help them do a little bit more broad spec recruiting. Uh, right now, it just kind of ties their hands a little bit, so they have to get those commits early on in order to help them out. And hopefully, they'll be able to correct that. And I, I mean, you you know the numbers better than anyone. I mean, you look at those recruits and you look at every position. Some of those positions should start to kind of getting pretty solid by now, right, Jackson? Yeah. Um, so looking at the class now that they're at about eleven commits, there's really been an emphasis in the secondary where. Fresno State only loses Tank Kelly from the starting lineup, but they're going to have three juniors coming back, so they need to start developing guys to be ready. Um, A handful of guys, Miles Martin and Randy Jordan Jr. at cornerback. Uh, Devin Jarvis is probably going to come in as a safety if they can hold on to him. We've been documenting what his recruitment has been like with Boise State making a run for him. Uh, Reggie Strong is another defensive back, probably a safety for the Bulldogs. They're on Leonard Glass, trying to get him this way from Iowa State. Uh, he could be a variety of positions. And then you've got Jamal Glassby and Josh Kelly, if they can land Kelly from Memorial as well. Both of those guys are kind of receiver, safety combo athletes. So secondary is pretty well taken care of. Uh, I think you're going to see one to two more linebackers come in in this class with the Bulldogs potentially losing all three starters if Jeff Allison decides to go pro. Um, defensive line, they've got one with Colby Workentine. Uh, they brought in five defensive linemen last year, so I don't think we'll see maybe just one more defensive lineman in this class or a Juco guy over the offseason that might uh, fill in a hole. Uh, receiver, I mean, <laughs> they're still working on receiver, but they've got Jamal Glasby, as I mentioned, who's listed as a receiver. They've got Jalen Cropper, who's going to be a receiver, the four-star recruit from Buchanan. If they get Josh Kelly, he's a potential receiver. They really want a junior college receiver since the Bulldogs are losing eight seniors. It would be nice to have someone that's not a true freshman or a redshirt freshman taking up all those reps next year. So they're really trying to secure that. And you've still got Rodney Wright, who gray-shirted last year, who's going to be here. So potentially four or five new receivers coming in. Uh, they got took care of the two junior college tight ends, as I mentioned earlier. Um, so from my mind, I think you'll probably see, uh, one to two running backs come in, in this class, uh, maybe a high school tight end, uh, maybe one more defensive lineman, uh, one to two linebackers. And then really the big hole otherwise is offensive line where there's no commits. You've got four seniors outgoing. Uh, I imagine we'll see one offensive lineman signed by December and maybe one or two more in February. Well, I mean, what do you think, Jackson? Maybe pull some more Canadians into the mix? <laughs> yeah, we haven't seen one quite yet. They uh, they went after him, and there was one in particular, three-star uh, Liam Dick, who was a pretty highly rated recruit and had four Power 5 schools along with Fresno State in his top five. <laughs> but uh, it looks like they weren't quite able to schedule an official visit, and it's probably not going to happen with him. So I've got him pretty far down on our recruiting board right now. Uh, but I mean, you always keep an eye on them. <laughs> well, it, it's funny that uh, ever since this new coaching staff came in, that that Canadian connection developed really quick. So there's got to be someone on the staff must have some type of a connection in Canada, um, because uh, let's face it, a couple of those guys that came in, 
they're no joke. Yeah. I mean, you got Dante Bull and and uh Mark Anthony or Mark David. Mark David yeah. And uh from all indications is Mark David is looking to put on another twenty to thirty pounds. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> he came in at like three eighty, three sixty, <laughs> and it's crazy because he can play with that weight. It doesn't look like he's slow by any means. Uh, uh, but it is funny because Orlando Steinauer they brought in was from Canada or in the Canadian Football League, but I think Coach Ryan Grubb has been the main contact there. Uh, him and Coach DeBoer were in Michigan, not too far off from some of those kids, and they've developed some relationships they carried with them to Fresno. And uh, that might be something that Fresno State might, might want to continue to foster is those type of relationships in the Canadian area. Uh, why not? It's a, it's yeah. an untapped source. Uh, you know, some of the Power Fives are starting to catch on uh, and head in that direction. But um, for the most part, they like to stay more local than anything. And if Fresno can kind of build that connection, so to speak, like the, the basketball team did with uh, Australia for a while there, mm. um, maybe they can kind of build a, a little bit of a pipeline to Canada. Uh, it would be a, kind of a, a good thing. But, you know, uh, Fresno State is doing great as far as the recruiting aspect is concerned right now, Jackson. Um, any any other changes you see coming here in, a, in the near future as far as recruiting is, uh, is happening? Um, just to keep your eyes peeled, I mean, we're working on reach, reaching out to all the top targets and getting updates on the Barkboard Premium Board. Uh, but there were, as, as we mentioned, a, a pretty good amount of recruits that were here over the weekend. Um, a lot of them have not announced decisions, and they're going to be doing so in the next few days, whether it's Fresno State or someone else. So, I mean, from now till uh, the 19th, I think a few more commits are going to roll in. Um, most of those guys have said they were going to decide by December. So we should see some action coming up. And uh, starting Wednesday, we're going to have a promotion. Uh, it's going to be buy one month, get one free uh, to celebrate this exciting recruiting time. So if you want in on the action and want a good deal, now's the time uh, starting Wednesday, uh, December 12th. And that should cover you all the way up until uh, signing day. Yeah, it'll pretty much get you to all, almost all the way to the February signing day. So you'll catch both the waves of excitement. There you go. <laughs> and that's exactly what uh, you know. we try to, to see if we can make things happen. So it, it'll give you a taste of what the premium is all about. And trust me, once you try out the premium, um, you, you kind of have a hard time not sticking with it. <laughs> that's what some of our premium subscribers say now. Uh, I know they. Some people have had bad bad experiences in the past, uh, but rest assured, things have changed and come a long way since you've uh, tried the premium services. So, if you have the chance and or the means, give it a shot again and uh, check out our premium um, content that we have on the on the bark board. Uh, but before we get, head off, Jackson, basketball. Let's touch upon a little bit about what basketball is going uh, happening so far this year. You've got a chance to kind of now take a couple of games under your under your belt. Now, what are your overall thoughts and and opinions of where this team is headed this season? Yeah, I and mean, this team's exciting. They're up tempo. They launch a lot of threes. They play a full court defense at times, and uh, they're successful. <laughs> I mean, so they they go into the last game with a six and two record. And then star player Deshaun Taylor dislocates or injures something to his elbow, comes out in a sling, and you think, oh, the first eight games were fun, but there it goes. It's going to be a struggle the rest of the year. And then they put out their best offensive performance of the season against Long Beach State. So you know, maybe they're not doomed. Uh, the big question will be when Deshaun Taylor can come back, if it's as soon as January or if maybe he takes a medical redshirt year. I mean, his absence is going to hurt, no doubt, but it looks like this team may be able to get by without him. They can't sustain many more injuries or any other setbacks, but, I mean, they've got the pieces to get stuff done. Braxton Huggins has been excellent as a scoring guard. Uh, New Williams and Noah Blackwell have both stepped up in the backcourt. Nate Grimes has been uh, electrifying at the center position. Uh, Then you've got Sam Bittner and Aguirre Gao giving solid minutes at the four. So I think they've got enough pieces. Uh, I mean, as a shooting team, they're going to have off nights at, at some point, but they play really good defense, and I think they have enough scoring to where they have a shot any night in conference play outside of probably Nevada, who's ranked like number seven in the nation right now. Uh, otherwise, 
you know, surprisingly, they lose Bryson Williams and a few other pieces, but I think they're just about as good as anyone else in the Mountain West, and it should make for a, a good run here in January and February. Now, from what I can tell and from what people are saying now is that this coaching staff has uh, brought in a, a different style of play for the Bulldogs uh, that we haven't seen uh, in, in a while, a more up-tempo type of, a, of an offense. Does that kind of, you know trend well for Fresno State at the moment. Yeah, you rarely see this team get into, go into these scoring lapses or have long possessions where they don't get a decent shot off. I mean, a lot of times they'll be willing to launch a three early in the shot clock, and uh, as long as, as Coach Hudson says, if it's a good pass and their feet are set or they're open, you know, let it fly. <laughs> Why not? So uh, they're getting more comfortable doing that. I think the first few games you saw – these guys that were used to playing a lot tighter on offense that weren't comfortable taking those shots because they were used to running a kind of a, I don't know, but I don't want to say boring, but <laughs> it was an offense. Vanilla. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. They were <laughs> a pretty vanilla offense where it came down to playmakers scoring at some point. And this offense is a lot more fast tempo. They want to be on the fast break, they want to take advantage of those as much as possible and get easy shots off, get layups, three-pointers. Um, so it's pretty exciting offense. It's fast tempo, and uh, you don't see too many deficiencies in it. Now, uh, having a different type of uh, uh, style of offense, recruiting-wise, is that going to kind of help uh, with maybe a player that likes that type of, uh, of gameplay? I think so, and it's going to be interesting to see how if they keep this up next year because right now this is a guard heavy team next year you're going to have seven foot one Nassan Juf eligible you're going to have a six foot nine I believe Chris Seeley that's transferred from Utah he'll be eligible next year they've brought in a six eight power forward center combo recruit so they're going to have a lot of reinforcements to play possibly a true center and a true power forward (laughs) in the lineup right now you know, Nate Grimes could probably be a wing if he was developed in another program, and that's the Bulldog Center right now. So they're playing small, they're playing fast. It's probably going to change based off the the personnel year to year, and next year, as mentioned, is probably going to be a, a big guy heavy <laughs> lineup. But uh, I mean, yeah, if you're a guard and you like to shoot, this is the kind of offense you want to be in, that, or at least a coaching staff that will let you do those kinds of things if they present themselves. Now, uh, before we head off on in, on this and basketball recruiting wise, think how are things looking on that aspect for Fresno State? Yeah, it'll be interesting if uh, Fresno State does get Deshaun Taylor back next year. That's kind of the the big question right now. Um, he'll either come back and finish out this year or probably get a medical redshirt at this point. Uh, and if he comes back, then that's one less scholarship they're going to have. Uh, but right now, they have uh, three recruits that are set, and it's a pretty solid class so far. Um, they got Orlando Robinson, who was a almost a four-star recruit. He's like right there borderline, and he's uh, a post-type player, uh, athletic guy, and that's something that, I mean, he could probably play pretty quickly as a freshman next year. Um, they brought into a pair of guards, Anthony Holland and Jared Hyder. Uh, Hyder's a three-star guy, probably the more highly touted of the two guards, and he's uh, a taller guard, but can play point guard, and Coach Hudson likes to use the phrase positionless. It's not necessarily your old-fashioned point guard to center. You basically throw five guys out there like the Warriors and let it roll. And uh, to have a guard like that that can handle the ball and shoot, uh, he may see the court sooner rather than later as well. So three solid commits for Coach Hudson. Um, We'll see if they bring in a fourth or what happens with roster turnover uh, later in the year. All right. Well, and there you have it, folks. Jackson Moore on basketball. And that's all I can do as far as uh, <laughs> my I, I promise I will start to learn more about basketball <laughs> so we can do these podcasts a little bit more more efficiently. But, uh, you know, as long as I defer to Jackson, I, I think we'll be fine. Um, but that being said, Jackson, any final thoughts before we head off? I'm uh, just getting ready for the exciting about 10 days here with the recruiting stretch with the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, Fresno State basketball is going to host Cal on early signing day. So a lot of excitement going on and it doesn't stop from there. You have the rest of the recruiting period to February basketball season. Spring football will be here before you know it. So we'll sprinkle a little bit of baseball <laughs> yeah, in there. We'll be, we'll be, uh, 
fully covered for quite some time. And when things do slow down, we've found different types of articles and series and recruiting coverage to keep it going as well. So um, it's just getting started. The Bulldogs are 11-2 and two conference champions, but we've got a lot uh, to go still getting ready for next year. And who knows? I'm going to brush up on my lacrosse. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us. You can find Jackson on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at RedWaveReport. Um, find us on the boards as usual. Look for our names and you can find us there. Uh, if you haven't done so already, find our Facebook page, Red uh, the... Uh, I almost did it again. Uh, Barkboard.com. Uh, give it a like. We are, uh, like I said, that's usually where we put all our uh, post our articles. So, so it gives you a kind of kind of like our own little alert to let you know that there's something new for the website. Um, and feel free to reach out to us if you uh, have any questions. Um, and check out our premium content on the Barkboard, and you won't be disappointed. That being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us. Join us back again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.